Hello and welcome to another journey today as we study in the scriptures of God. My name is Pastor Eric Hubbard and this broadcast is called Journeys in Grace. And today we're going to continue to study uh, from my last time we got together. This time we're going to talk about is heaven for real. Again, we're going to talk about our subject today, is heaven for real. And as also as opposed to hell, heaven is a place that's been reserved for those who believe in Christ. But again, as we talked about hell last time, we also say the same thing about heaven. There are some who say, well, uh, the very heaven that we're going to enjoy, enjoy is what we have here on earth now. That uh, after man dies, there is nothing else. Uh, we lose consciousness. Our souls go into oblivion to some place, and that's all. But I believe, and as the scripture has, has recorded, that heaven is for real. That man's uh, spirit, your spirit is eternal. This body, which we can uh, uh, feel and touch and smell, it is temporary. As we all know, every all of us uh, uh, are living here temporarily. And then your body goes back to the dust. And then that soul and your spirit will live somewhere in eternity. I don't believe that some uh, would have, have to say that we come back as another person or uh, some religions teach that we'll come back. As, if we do good, we'll come back as a uh, as a uh, as a human. If we do bad, we'll come back. We'll go down to to lower species. We'll come back as a uh, cow or as a monkey or as a fly or as an ant, according to how we lived this present life. But I believe there is an eternal reward that all of us will receive, and that will be given to this. Uh, it's according to the deeds we do in this body, but more importantly. It's according to that one deed we must do is to receive what God has sent for us. So let's talk about today. St. John, we're going to begin the study. Chapter 14, as Jesus began to talk to his disciples about the future and what he had for them. St. John 14, verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Immediately, Jesus begins to attack the very things that... Uh, in our day, we face, if you look around at all of the stuff that's happening from COVID to um, uh, the riots that we've seen, the economy now is bouncing up and down. One day the stock market's here, another part is there. From uh, wars uh, between uh, different cultures, from black against white, white against black, and you know, and all the colors in between. We look at families being broken apart. There's attack on the family where, you know, the men are saying that, you know, uh, there are some groups that say their very intent is to destroy the, uh, the nature of the family. As God has said that he designed a family, a marriage between a husband and wife, and how a man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. But there's a group that said that, you know what, our whole purpose is to destroy that because they do not want the man and the woman to symbolize the family that God has established. But don't you know that anything and anybody that stands against God, you have a reservation. You have an RSVP, which you will not get, was not given and provided for you, but you will get to enjoy hell with Satan and his angels. But today, we're not talking about hell. We're talking about heaven. But I felt like I need to say that, that all of the fear and all of the things, that the, the, the troubles of heart and troubles of mind, what we see, you know, there's relationship problems, there's financial problems, all of these things. Jesus said, fear not. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, if you believe in God, he said, believe in me. The second verse, in my father's house are many mansions. 
And we know that the eternal God lives in the heavens. He said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, as I said earlier, and I'll say again, Jesus has been working on this our, uh, our eternal home for 2,000 years. Don't you know it's got to be something super spectacular, something that's out of this world. Third verse says, and if I go prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus says, I've made, I'm making reservations. I'm making you a place, and I'm inviting you in to a home that I'm prepared for you because you have, you have loved me and received me. So now I've got, my, I've got your reservation. And for all those like you who receive, who have received me as Lord and as Savior. So now let's read about uh, what Jesus has prepared, of, prepared for us. Let's go to the book of Revelations. Uh, the book of Revelations, I'm going to start reading in the, in the um, uh, seventh chapter. First, that again, there are some, I'm sorry, it's Revelation 21 and 8. We're going to read about Revelation uh, 21st chapter and starting around the first verse. Revelation 21 and Revelation the last book in the Bible. And this is the Apostle John. He begins to say, he says, Revelation 21 and 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and that was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. And be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither there shall be any pain. For the former things are passed away. Can you imagine the great thing that Jesus said in John. Now uh, in, in Saint, the book of St. John 14. Now in the book of Revelation. John again began to expound on what Jesus is going to do and always preparing for us and prepared for all those who love him. Now we're at the fifth verse. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. That means that everything about us shall be made new. Everything concerning us. Everything. A new body. He said there'll be no more pain. No more sorrow. All of these things because all of these things are wrapped up. Pain and sorrow, regret, uh, shame, condemnation, all of those came from the sin in the garden. When uh, Satan, when, 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 when Adam gave up his authority, he gave up his right to be Lord of this earth, then what was released on us by the sin of, of uh, rebellion, when, when Adam reached, decided he was going to follow Eve rather than God, then all of these things were released upon us. But Jesus came and he destroyed that. But yet we still live in a fallen world. But the Bible says now in Revelation 21, he said, all things have become new. He said, we are not even going to remember the former things. He said, for the former things are passed away. Everything about this current life, 
whether you have a good marriage or a bad marriage, whether you are uh, suffering in your body, whether you lost members on your in your body, uh, uh, members out of the family, and even some people have lost hands, they lost sight in their eyes, they lost hearing in their ears. You know, no, all these things that happen in this life, the Bible says all things are, shall become new. And then the fifth verse, I'm going to read this again. He said, he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. I will give to him that is the thirst of the fountain of the waters of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God. And he shall be my son. God, he's talking about sons and daughters. All of us shall reign with Christ. The scripture says that I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the good things God has prepared for them that love him. God has prepared an awesome place for the children of God. Amen, amen. It, it, it ought, to, ought, to make you, ought to make you want to shout and shout and praise God for what God has prepared for us. And again, as I often say, we should have the, we should be, we should have heaven on our mind. But yet, as Jesus said, our job now is not to live for that day, but live now to bring heaven to earth. That's our job now. Yeah, heaven is reserved for us. If you're a believer, you don't have to struggle and strive. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've allowed and received the gift of the Holy Spirit with the power of God and speaking in tongues, and then seeing the mighty works and moves of God in your life, and, and receiving the, the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're going to walk and don't make a mistake or don't err or don't miss the mark. You will. Sooner or later, you will. Because there are sins of omission or commission. The reason I'm bringing these things up because many times uh, people believe that you know I get saved and they you know they fall apart whenever they miss the mark, you know when they when they when they error when they get angry when they uh, 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 do something that they know is not a part of the grace life that we should live. But in this life, we realize you're going to miss the mark. But because we know Christ and have Him as Savior, we recognize He has forgiven us of all sin, all sin. Past, present, and future. Jesus already taken care of it. He took care of sin on the cross. Does that mean, mean that we should continue in sin as Romans 6 said? He said, God, Paul said in Romans 6, God forbid. He says, shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So in other words, no. We're not going to continue in sin, but we're going to go from grace to grace, from faith to faith. We're going to increase. And as you increase in grace and in the knowledge of God, and when we submit ourselves, to allow in Christ, the Christ in me to grow and to be and, and, and allow that word to have free course in me. What does that mean? What are you talking about, uh, preacher? I'm saying receive God's love. It's just like I have uh, $1,000 in my hand right now. I say, here, receive it. You got to take it. You got you to gotta own it. You got to take ownership of it. Because as long as I have it, it does you no good. And this is what the love of God is. And what God has said that the love of God, the, the apostle said, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. All these things, I'm still talking about heaven. All these things are available for us today. And that's why Jesus said, and, and as he taught the, the disciples of the Lord's Prayer, he said, in, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Love is in heaven. Joy and peace is in heaven. Prosperity and blessings are in heaven. And he said, that which is in heaven, we as believers bring it to earth and demonstrate Christ. That's why Jesus said that men will see your good works. In other words, demonstrate heaven to them to let them know God is in you. And when they see God in you, they will glorify our God which is in heaven. That's what it means to live the grace life. That's what it means to have heaven on earth so that men would see that we serve a, a loving God. God had been given a, 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 a horrible reputation. That's why some people say, well, you know what? I'd rather live in hell with my friend than to go to heaven with these people that I see. But they don't recognize that every believer, all of us, we, we got to be working on something. We're becoming more like God day by day. He who has begun a good work in me shall, shall finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm still on the construction. If you will see my, if you will see my life and what God has put upon me, He would say, under construction when it comes to my, uh, come to this body. I mean, come to this uh, my my soul and this body. This body having to come subjection to my soul, and my soul having to come under subjection to the will of God. So I'm under construction in my soul and my body, but my spirit, man, he's whole, he's perfect, he's complete. How do you know that, preacher? First John, uh, uh, Saint John. Uh, uh, one twelve, it was one. Two twenty one says, "As he is, so am I in this life, in my spirit. I'm just like Jesus. In my flesh, I'm under construction." <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Um, Revelation chapter seven. There's also a, a religion that says that you know, that's only a hundred and forty four thousand people going to heaven. That's a problem. If you think about it, all of this, the, the believers and all of the saints that have come and gone and gone on into heaven, and you start ticking off the people, you know, just in mind, thought, and people, a thought of mind, rather, and you think about the people that have gone on and loved God, that, you know, they, they, they honored God, and the, we've heard of the hundreds and thousands of people who received Christ, because oh, that's, the, that's the entry, the, the, the password to get to heaven is Jesus. If God would ever ask you, you come to the as some would say, the, the gates of St. Peter, Peter standing at the gate. That's the old saying. That, and, and, and you begin to wonder how you're going to get to heaven. You will be judged according to whether you have received Christ. If Jesus is not your password, you access denied. Your access will be denied if you haven't received Christ. For he is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Any man come up any other way, he's a thief and a robber. Revelation 7th chapter. Again, we're going to talk now about this number. Revelation 7th chapter. Uh, we just read Revelation 21. Now we're going to go to Revelation uh, 7. Revelation 7 and 9. It says, um, John had just begun, just to set this up, John had just read about the 12,000 of the tribe of the different twelve tribes of Israel, and the twelve thousand of those who are uh, specifically called for work that God would have them to do. But in the ninth chapter, as John was talking to this angel, he says, "John says, after this I beheld, and lo, he said, wait a minute, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, 
kindreds, kindreds to cultures, people, tongues, language upon language upon, you know, I'm told there's some language that just, people just click their lip in their, in their tongue, or some whistles, some whistles, these are languages, you know, there are, there are languages beyond, you know, we even, many of us could even uh, uh, imagine, but in heaven, we're going to be of one mind, one language, and he said, but when he looked, John said, he says, I saw a number which no man could number of all nations, kindred, people, the tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with, with white robes and with palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And we're going to go down to the 13th verse, and it says, And one of the elders answered, saying to me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? In other words, where did they come from? And John said, I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said to them, said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white. How? In the blood of the Lamb. You want to know how to get there, how you're going to get to heaven? It's only through Christ. Jesus is the answer. And it says in 16th verse, verse, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb, for Jesus is the Lamb, if you remember that. Uh, Revelation says that he was, uh, uh, he was sacrificed from the very foundation of the world. God knew that man needed an answer. That's what love, the love prepares. A father prepares for his children. He says, for the 17th verse says, for the lamb, which is Jesus, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. What an awesome, 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 awesome God. All right, let's continue on. And again, the next question you say is, what qualifies a person? What qualifies, you know, I've, I've often, I'll continue to say, I'm going to often say, what qualifies a person for heaven is not your good works. It's not the hungry you feed. It's not uh, the money you give. It's all about Jesus. It's the Christ in the believer. Yes, living holy is a part of 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 of, uh, of being of the Christian life and of the grace life, but that living holy is spawned. It go, comes from me receiving Him. It's not my good works, but it's the it's the work of the cross, the work of Christ in me. That's what Paul again. Paul says, "Christ in me, the hope of glory." It's the Jesus in me that brings good works out of me. It's the Jesus in me. That helps me to live holy. It's the Jesus in me. is the reason why I'm righteous. That's why every believer can say. I am the righteousness of God. Why? Because Christ resides on the inside of you. Let's go to Romans 10th chapter. <clears throat> and the 8th verse. Romans 10 verse 8. And this is the quality. Or the, or the qualifications. Again I've said. I want to try to say this in many ways as I can. Uh, to help. You to understand what I mean about the qualification, the key, the password, all of these comes by 
us receiving and knowing who Jesus is. Paul wrote in Romans uh, uh, 10 and 8, but what saith it? He's talking about the word of God. The word is not thee, even in our mouth and in our heart, which is what? The word of faith which we preach. That's what I'm preaching to you is the word of faith. It's all about faith. Hebrews 6 chapter says, it, uh, it's without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you don't have faith in God, you can't please him. Because if you don't walk in faith, the scripture also says in, in, in Romans, says, the just shall live by faith. In other words, I'm justified because of my faith in him. Not because of the things I do for him. Not because of the money I give. Not because of the words that I say. It's because of my faith in Jesus Christ. I am justified. I'm holy. I'm saved. I'm righteous. I have a, uh, I'm a part of the family of God because I believe in him. It's my faith in him. I am justified. And justified means called righteous because I love. No, rather, he loves me and I receive that love. And that love is what makes me righteous. It's his love for me, not my love for him. I can love him because he loved me. He said, the eighth verse, he said, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Which is what? It is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if I, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I'll be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart, not just this, 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 uh, this, this, this muscle in my chest, but with the heart, which is, means my mind, my will, my emotion. I'm giving everything. I'm believing him. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. But go to that first stanza of the 10th verse. He says, with the heart, man believes where? Unto righteousness. It's my faith that makes me righteous. Verse 11 says, for the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. In the day of judgment, in the day when, when uh, uh, all of, the, all of the, the lost men and women who have rejected Christ, we will be safe. In him, because we believe, our faith will keep us safe. We won't be judged. The believer won't be judged at the day of judgment. We are being judged right now. We'll be rewarded. But our judgment is right now. As Christ has begun that work, he's going to finish that. Verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that calleth upon him. The 13th verse says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the key to heaven. The people who have called on Christ, the people who believe in him, they believe in his name. They believe that he is the Son of God. Now we're going to go uh, down and going to read the book in St. Matthew 25 verse 34. And Jesus began to talk to them about the kingdom. He says, Matthew 25, verse 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, These, as I started out earlier, now I'm going to, in an earlier teaching, talking about the sheep being put on the right, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, and hear the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus always had us on mind. For he said, "If I when I was hungry, you fed. You, you, when I was hungry, 
and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. As we demonstrate Christ, that's what God wants us to do, is to demonstrate. When we demonstrate to the world who God is, when we show love, when we feed the hunger, when we take care of the fatherless and the widows, as James in the book of James 1.27 talked about, he said, uh, pure religion, and undefiled before God is this, that you visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and you keep yourself unspotted from the world. Well, how can we visit the father and the widows in their affliction? We give. We, we show love to them. But the way to be unspotted is to be covered in the blood of Jesus. And allow that blood to be shed upon, to, to, to flow throughout of you. The more we submit ourselves to Christ, the more we, the, 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 the more we walk and the, and, the, and the truer we can walk in the, in the, uh, uh, in the spirit of God, have understanding of who he is. So we are already perfect in the spirit. Let me make that plain. In your spirit, in your heart, we're under construction. And our flesh is waiting on us. Our flesh is waiting on our heart to command us. So when we walk in the in the love of God, our fleshly man can walk in the love of God. But he ain't redeemed. But our spirit man, he's in victory right now. Our flesh, he's, he's being converted. We've been watched by the waters of the word. I'm throwing a lot out at you now, but I want you to know that we are right. That Jesus comes today and you've submitted your heart to him as Lord and the Savior, you're heaven ready. Right now, Jesus came and said, come home, my child. You are ready for heaven. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be uh, a full of, 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 of regret and tormented by fear. But you can live with the thought, I'm born again, and I'm ready for heaven. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and kindness which you've shown to us. We pray that those who hear these words that I've spoken today would search out these scriptures. It will bring comfort to their heart and peace to their mind. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, and thank you for joining us again for Journeys in Grace. Hello, my name is Pastor Eric Hubbard, and today we're going to continue on in studying the Word of God, and we're going to continue the series that we've been preaching on and talking about over the last few weeks, about the Bible, Words to Live By. And today we're going to talk and, and take a step into the culture. I was listening to a couple of elders on the uh, television not too long ago, and they were speaking about how that the Bible speaks to every situation that we have in life. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't believe they were saying, that you'll find everything that you see in the culture today called out, spelled out by name, so that we would have that as an example. So in other words, you know, uh, uh, from racial issues that we have, from uh, issues in marriage, questions about marriage, questions about um, uh, 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 the economy and things of that nature, you may not find them specifically, but if we study the scripture, if we study the word, the Bible does comment on anything that, and, that we may face in life. And it gives us foundational answers that we can take these and say, okay, this is how I can apply the scripture to what I am facing in life today. And I think one of the things that 
really is uh, facing us here in 2020, and I think I've faced man throughout eternity since the fall of man, is the cultural wars that we uh, face within family, between brothers, between, um, uh, we call it races, race, races, but really there's only one race, which is the human race. Now, there are different cultures. We all have different skin tones. We all speak different languages. Um, they're all different. Uh, Different. We live in different countries and have uh, different traditions. But I believe if we take the scriptures and apply them to the things that we face in life, you will have the answer. And not only that do we have the scriptures, we have the Holy Spirit that empowers us and will enlighten us uh, and give us the, that hidden wisdom that God has for us in any situation and allow us to be victorious and not just uh, so that we are fitting into the culture. We're fitting into uh, whatever whatever um, uh, is going on, we assimilate to it. So in other words, we just sort of become, we become part of the blend. But we should stand out and be that beacon on the hill. This is what Jesus said. He said, no man lights a candle and hides it under a bushel. So what does that mean? It means that no one, we, when we light a candle, we want it to push back darkness. And that's the, that's the uh, uh, that's the the work of the ministry. That's the work of uh, in the life of a believer and a disciple is that we take the light of the word of God. We take the very nature of God and we allow God to live through us. For Jesus is not coming back to earth again so that men could see his example. But we are the examples. We are, as Paul said, we have this treasure, which is the word of God, which is the Holy Spirit that's put into us because we are the earthen vessels that God uses. God uses us to show love. God uses us to uh, manifest his power. God uses us uh, to speak words of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. God uses us to provide for the poor, to provide for the fatherless and the widows. God uses us to, uh, to bind up and, and, and give words of encouragement to hearts that are broken. God uses us. He said that when uh, we see others that are mourning, he said mourn with those that are mourning. Rejoice with those that are rejoice. So in other words, we must have empathy and we must have compassion for those. The issues that we see in life, the church cannot go in a corner and say, well, you know what, that doesn't concern me. But it does concern us because if we are going to occupy as Jesus told us to do, we must occupy. We must occupy this word, this world in every tower, in every uh, 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 facet of life. Well, again, as I uh, said before, we should be, and the church must be in the government. If we want our government to be representative of God, if we want our government to continue to have and to have Christian values, if we want this country to stand, because this country does not have to fall because we're living in a time 2,000 years from the, from, the, from the birth of Christ, 2,000 plus years. But it can stand and continue to grow. America continue, can continue to be blessed uh, financially and spiritually if the church world will stand up for true godly values. And those godly values are written in the word of God, which is unchangeable. The word of God does not change. Now, how we deliver the word is going to it, it does change and it has changed over the centuries. You say, how is that preacher? Uh, back in the day, the preacher rode on a horseback or they walked. Paul and they walked and when they when they wasn't walking, they were sailing in, in, in old wooden vessels driven by the wind. You know, nowadays they rode camels and horses and donkeys and whatever the case may be. And their feet, patent leather, my, 
as I've heard others say, you know, it was, it was, it was, they were walked everywhere they went. But God has provided better things for us today. Today, we drive cars, we fly, we fly jets, we, you know, uh, wherever the, whatever things may, we need to do to get there, we have the internet. We can, my voice, this message that I'm talking about today can travel the whole world in a matter of seconds because God has provided better things. But what, but nothing surpasses for face-to-face, heart-to-heart talks for the saints and the, and, the, and the children of God and those who desire to know more of God when we can come together physically. When we can do that, because the scripture says that the, uh, our inheritance is among them that are sanctified. Not only does it mean that we should be together as a church, but, we, but also that we fellowship face-to-face, heart-to-heart, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a coffee meeting, you know, go out and have coffee or lunch. Well, we fellowship when we come together and share like minds and share our ideas and share wherever we, we may have differences. But we may be able to talk them out and say, okay, this is where I believe the scripture stands. Not my, my opinion doesn't matter. It's what the word of God says. And if I can, we can come together on what God is saying and get the truth of the matter. And let the Bible be our source of truth, not the prevailing opinion, not what as the wind goes. We sort of stick our hand up in the air and sort of see how the wind's blowing. But when the, when the, when the word of God is our pillar and ground of truth, this is what I'm going to build my life on. This is how I live my life. This is I base my decisions on what's written in the world and in the word rather. Not what's in the world, but when I live my life according to scripture, then you will find you will be blessed more by own accident than you will be on purpose. Because you have a God-centered, Christ-centered life. Being in the, um, uh, being in the, in the, uh, uh, being a believer is more than just receiving Christ. It's when Christ is your Lord. Being Lord means that we are God-led. That he is Lord, meaning he is king of your life. That we don't operate independent of what we know is in scripture. We know what's being written. And when we do that, we find out that, that, that many times we've taken the, uh, uh, the commandments of men and replaced the word of God. We've taken the traditions of men and replaced the word of God and said, well, you know what? Uh, as one uh, leader said at one time, uh, not long ago, when the when the uh, culture was saying, you know, we want our rights, and this was uh, the gay and the, and the lesbian came out and said, you know what, we are we feel like uh, that, that 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 we are bending out our rights of marriage. And one of our leaders, one of our leaders said that, you know, marry who you want to marry. Well, you know what, you have a right to say that because uh, our Fathers, forefathers, they died, black and white. They died to defend this country so that we may have, we can express our own opinion. And there are many today who wants to push America into socialism, into Marxism, which said, which if you really dig down deep into it, self-expression and self-thought, is, is that's the one thing they cut off. And you are not given freedoms. But God moved upon men to establish this country. This is not the perfect country and never will be. But it's the best country on this planet, in my opinion. But going back to that comment that was made, marry whom you, whom you will marry, that goes against what 
Genesis said, in, in the book of Genesis, second chapter, around the 24th verse, where God said that men should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. This is what is going to the greatest war that there's ever been has going to continue on until Christ comes again is, is good versus evil. You say, preacher, how could that be a, a, a war for somebody just getting married? Because it's going against the foundational teachings that God established when he started out in the beginning by saying, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, male, female. But even today, there is a people now are telling uh, our doctors and are telling uh, uh, mothers and fathers when the child is born. Do you can you tell us what you want this child to be? Be marked as man, boy or girl? Just a few years ago, that would be considered insane. How are you going to tell the God of heaven and earth, who 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 purposely sent that son or sent that daughter? Now, when the child gets to earth, you decide, you know what, I think, although I see the, uh, uh, I see the, the, uh, the genitalia, I see the, uh, the plumbing, the, the bead, I see what's, what the, the, the organ the child has, which says it's a boy, but I think we're just going to let them be a girl. My Lord. But again, somebody said, well, what does grace have to do with that? Grace is that I will, grace tells me. Not only must I teach the love of God, but I must teach the truth of God. The scripture says the truth will, will, will make you free. It's the truth you know will make you free. Not the truth you choose. Some people choose not to know the truth. But Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So let's go now and we talk about it. We're going to start in the book of Genesis. I'm going to read about the first uh, uh, war among the cultures in Genesis 4, verse 1. We're talking about now about uh, Cain and Abel. And we see how that even jealousies, and this is the, where you, again, we begin to see, and this is, um, is going to be more than just one teaching, but this can be, we see how that when Cain and Abel, having known and seen God, and God had given them instructions about the offering that he expected, when Adam and Eve had uh, given a little history, when Adam and Eve had broken the commandments, the, the command of touch not the tree in the midst of the garden, not touch not, taste not of the fruit in the garden. Eve, Eve uh, uh, added to God and said, don't touch it. Add to what God has said. But the father said, of all the trees in the garden, thou shalt freely eat. But the tree that's in the midst of the garden, do not eat of the free fruit. They were deceived. They fell. They were pushed out of the garden. And what did God do? One of the first things that a loving God did, they sowed fig leaves and tried to cover themselves. But what did God do? God gave them skin. And that skins mean something had to die. Go back and read it for yourself. Go back and read the first three chapters of, of the book of Genesis. God had to uh, uh, kill an animal so that they, blood had to be shed for them to be covered. That's the same way we have today. Blood had to be, be shed for us to be covered, for us to be saved, for us to have a connection with God. Blood had to be shed. The blood of our Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, had to be shed so that we would have connection with God. The, the scripture said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
There is no remission of sin unless we have the shedding of blood. So here in the, uh, again, in Genesis 4.1, we're going to read uh, Genesis 4.1 and, uh, and, and see what we have uncovered today. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she bare again, bare his, she, she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller, tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came that, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was raw, he was angry, and his countenance fell. And what did God say? God said, why are you angry? Why is your countenance foul? Why is your, uh, why, what's the sad look on your face? That's what he was saying in the sixth verse. In the seventh verse, God said, if, thou, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against, rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Now, if you go back to those previous two verses, it was all about the offering. Cain saw what Abel gave, and God was pleased. And then he saw what he did, and God was not pleased. That was something about that offering. And again, first Derek, I believe Cain should have made an ex exchange with Abel to get a, 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 a lamb and sacrifice it as an offering unto God. Abel gave of his, of, 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 of his flock. That was the offering. So you have to give God what he's asking for. We can't offer to God what you think you what you, what you what you think God should have. You have to give Him what He's asking of you. And I'm not just talking about monetary offerings. There are times when God will ask an offering of us. He asks a tenth, and we should give it. In the New Testament, um, we don't have the curse of not paying tithe. I think you're stupid if you don't pay tithe, but you won't be cursed because Jesus is our curse. And again, I ask you to go and read it. He became a curse for us. But if you want to be blessed, you will pay your tithes out of your love. It's not that tithes are required. It's that we get to pay tithes. I love to give to God. There was a time I lived my, my, my life about, oh, if I don't pay my tithes, you know, God's going to curse me. He can't curse me. Because if he curses me, he curses Christ, who is my covering. But I get to give my offering. I get to give my tithe because it's an opportunity for me to show my my appreciation for God allowing me to work or to uh, whatever I've received and I'm able to give back to him. But here we see in the uh, fourth chapter of Genesis, we see where Cain saw and that jealousy. And I believe this is some of the things that are driving our culture today. Well, some races are looking at others and say, you know what? They're coming to take something from me. And I believe this is what happened to Cain. Cain believed, you know what? The, the, the favor, the, I want the favor that's on Abel's life. The only thing that God told him, see, if you do well, you will be blessed. He said, if thou do as well. Let's go back to that. 
And he said, he told Cain, he said, Why are you wrong? He said, If thou wilt, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. So in other words, that seventh verse, God said, If you are obedient to me and give me what I ask for. He said, Well, you'll be accepted. You'll be able to have the joy of the Lord will be upon you. Because you know what? There's a pleasure that comes to us. There's a pleasing, there's, a, there's, there's something about pleasing God. We please him now because we are the, we have accepted his son and we walk according to his word. Because we know we walk in Christ. It's not our work, that's not our works that please God. But it's the fact that we, but I believe God loves it when his sons and daughters obey his voice. The script, the, 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 the word of God said, uh, uh, the, the, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God called all of us to a place of love and of obedience. All of those things are required. Yes, grace, God loves us. When we fall, when we miss the mark, God loves us. But there's still a call to holiness. There's still a call to righteousness. But all of this is born out of grace. When we recognize that we have failings and, and we fail in God and we miss the mark and we error, sometimes because we, we, we don't know and we error, other times when we know and we still error, or sin, let's put it that way, we sin and we miss the mark, whether it's, by, whether, whether, whether it's, whether it's uh, uh, something we omitted to do or something that we committed, either way you miss the mark. But he loves us so much that he said, come on, come unto me. Come to me when you when you when you're burdened down with, with, with missing the mark and when you're burdened down with addiction and all of those things. He said, "Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." He said, "My grace is sufficient. Everything I, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. I'll help you meet it. I can take you through racism. Here we can see. Uh, 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 this wasn't. I won't know if you could call this racism, but I can call it jealousy and envy." And this is what I think is happening in this country in particular, where we see other races come. People die to come to this country. They die to come to uh, America. They give their lives. They swim across. They, they swim, try to swim across the ocean from Cuba to uh, uh, they take little boats, little dinghies, as they call them, anything they could get into from Haiti, from, from, from Haiti to get into this country to get American citizenship. Because they recognize the blessing that's upon this country. Because this country first was established on godly values and godly truth. And now we have people in leadership and people throughout this country who, 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 whose hearts are, 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 are becoming hardened, if not hardened. Because they now reject God and they reject the things that he said over us, has said over us. But here Cain rejected what God told him to do as far as his offering. He found himself in jealousy and envy of what his brother had, and he killed him. And what did God say? We read on down in that, in that verse. In the ninth verse, it says, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is, where is Abel thy brother? And what did Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? What you asking me for? But what did God say? What have you done? He said, the voice of thy blood cries unto me from the ground. You are your brother's keeper. Whether he's black, white, brown, red, whether he's Asian, African, Caucasian, African-American, whatever the race may be, we are all 
our brother's keeper. We are, these are Old Testament, uh, 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 but these are Old Testament scriptures that I'm reading to you. But these all are before the law. And, and, and man, in me, in his innocency, he wasn't perfect, but he was innocent prior to the fall. This was the first murder recorded in all the scriptures. And even after you read about what God told Cain, the, love, the, the, the grace of God, God put a mark on him and said, don't kill this man. He already had failed. He had murdered his brother. And God said, you know what? I'm going to put a mark on you. It didn't record whether uh, Cain's relationship was more with, 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 was ever connected again with God. But God spared him. He put a mark on him. And many of us now, today, you know, through all about your life, you lived a life unagreeable to God. You did anything, as my granny would say, anything that you were big and bad enough to do. You did it. We all did it. Because our hearts was not in agreement with Christ. We weren't, we weren't walking according to the word of God. But God still blessed us. He still made ways for us. There were times, many of us, who were out wilding out, doing anything and everything that we, could, we wanted to do. We enjoyed our life in sin. Although we were lost, although we didn't have the peace of God, we didn't have the love of God. But whenever you, God makes that, begins to tug on you, sin, the pleasure of sin leaves. Then we do like Cain. We start running. Now let's go on. Let's go and take one more, one more uh, verse uh, of scripture we're going to read today. Now, next we're going to talk about um, the, the differences or the, 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 we can see racism not only in uh, uh, and, and, and cultural bias, you could call it that. Uh, racism, all of it is, is hatred. You can all put all kind of pretty words on it, but it's hatred. It's, it's, it's many times it's unfamiliarity where we don't know the other person. We don't know the other culture. And so we call everything that we don't know, we're afraid of it. We're afraid to get to know that black man. We're afraid to get to know that, that, that Caucasian man. We're afraid to get to know that Asian uh, man or woman on the job. We're afraid of all their food. We don't, I don't like their food. You haven't tasted all the Asian food there is. You haven't tasted all the African-American food. You haven't tasted all the uh, the French or whatever the case may be. None of us have tasted all the foods. You have to allow yourself to taste. Experience another person. And don't let one experience color your life so that you brand everybody that's black evil. All of them steal. Only thing they want is our women. Only thing they want is our men. Only thing they want is they're trying to you know, all of them steal. They try to take from you. You gotta watch them. You've only experienced one person, and that one person has turned you against the entire culture because you judge them. You judge them all because of one person. But let's go on now to Numbers, the twelfth chapter, and we're gonna read now about uh, Miriam and Aaron. Aaron. Now Moses again. Got to read do some reading on 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 in this subject today, in uh, the book of Numbers, twelfth twelfth chapter. Miriam had married Zipporah. Zipporah was an Ethiopian Ethiopian woman. After Moses had, uh, he knew the call of God was on his life. Now I'll give you just a little backstory. He knew the call of God was on his life. You read that in the book of Genesis and early parts of. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Genesis, but Exodus. Uh, you read it how that uh, God had. 
had separated him at birth. The, the children, uh, uh, all of uh, the children of Israel had moved because of the plague in, in Canaan. They had moved down to Egypt. And Joseph and, uh, and, and his father and all of his 12 and his other 11 brethren and the wives and children had moved and settled there in, um, in, in Egypt. God had prophesied. He told, he told uh, uh, Abraham that they would live there 400 years. And after 400 years, God said, I'm going to bring you out. And so to fast forward that, after uh, God had used Joseph mightily to spare not only uh, Israel, but all of Egypt and all surrounding countries and had provided for them, Joseph had given a plan and he was elevated to second in the kingdom. And he had lived many years and blessed and Egypt was blessed because of Joseph. And it's recorded. If you go, uh, well, I'm told the history now is, is they're recording that the Egyptians had made, uh, they made writing, which are called hieroglyphics. And what they did, they, they, they made carvings. Their language was recorded in, in, uh, in pictures. And so they made carvings. And they said that there are places where you can have, there are mentioned, Joseph is mentioned in their carvings. That it actually was a Joseph. And the famine actually happened. The, Egypt, the uh, Israelites were in Egypt. But as we fast forward from that, there came a time when there were Pharaohs that didn't know about uh, Joseph. And they saw the blessing that, uh, uh, that God was putting on the children of Israel. And they multiplied. And they multiplied. And they multiplied. Because God had told Abraham, I'm going to make your seed as the sand by the seashore. I'm going to make your seed as the stars of the heavens. He said, if you could count the stars, if you could count the grains of sand, so shall you be able to, to count your seed. But there came a time when God was getting ready to call his people out. And whenever God gets ready, to, uh, Satan doesn't maybe be able to, to uh, zero in on the day. But even he can, can figure out a season. And he can see a change. And the change began to happen. He said, uh, he moved upon the heart of Pharaoh. And he said, oh, look at all of these uh, uh, Israelites. After a while, there may come a time we're in a war. And they may join our enemies to help destroy us. So they begin to say, kill all the firstborn. Kill all the, if, if it's a male, kill him. If it's a female, let them live. Long story short, if you read the scripture, the Egyptian midwives, midwives said, no, nah, they, they, they saw, they knew. They were in the houses of the uh, Israelites. They were in the houses of the Hebrews. And God moved on their hearts not to kill them. And because they didn't kill them, the, 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 young, the, the men, God blessed them. But let's go on to Moses. But there were kids, children that were killed. But Moses wasn't. He was set free. And you again, you read the story about him. There came a time when Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Isn't that something how God would, how God would do things? Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, the Egyptian king had said, the ruler had said that uh, kill all the young, kill all the uh, uh, Israeli sons. And his own daughter took in a child from the, from, the, uh, from the Nile, raised him as her own, and he was raised up as a prince in the house of Pharaoh. God will make your enemies take care of you. In the very house of Pharaoh, Moses was raised, taught all the, 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 the things that an Egyptian prince would learn, he learned. Fast forward, but Moses knew, although the, the, uh, the movies may show you that, that Moses didn't know his mother and father was, but he did know, because his mother raised him for the first few years of his life. She raised him, and she talked to him about who he was.
And Moses knew that God had a, that was a call on his life, but he didn't know the time. Long story short, if we fast forward this, there came a time when Moses went amongst his people and he saw an Egyptian and an Israelite uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a physical argument. And Moses killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And we go on with that story. Moses left Egypt and, and fled away to Ethiopia where he met Zipporah. He met Moses' father. He met Zipporah, rather. And through Zipporah, he met his father. And uh, who was a priest, a median, and he told Moses stay with us. And over the course of time, Moses married Zipporah, but she was an Ethiopian, not an Israeli. And that's, if you go to the twelfth chapter of Numbers, where we're going to start, twelve one, and Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Now this is after Moses had had, had come back to Egypt displayed the power and the move of God. God has spoken to him face to face. Moses had all the manners of miracles, signs, and wonders, which no other man has been called in history has did, did what Moses did, the mighty and great acts that he did. And here we are in the 12th chapter. They come out of uh, uh, Egypt. And what did Moses, he, he, what did his sister, Miriam is Moses' sister, and Aaron is Moses' brother. And Miriam and Aaron, and uh, Aaron spoke against Moses. Why? Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And then the Bible says it again. For he had married an Ethiopian woman who was an African. Now I can't say she was a dark at me. But I can say she was not an Israeli. She was of a different culture. And they didn't like it. And not only that. See when you get into a covetousness. And you can do a power grab. That's what I call it, a power grab. You go on to read. God begins, uh, the Lord said to, indeed to Moses, this is what they said. Second verse, hath the Lord indeed only spoken by Moses? Hath he not spoken to us also? And guess what? The Lord heard it. Now this is what uh, the Bible said, had, had God had Moses to write. Now the man Moses was very weak. And all men, as Above all men upon the earth. In other words, he was the meekest man in the earth. And the Lord said. Now, see, this is what happens when you do. I don't know if some of y'all like like us when I, as I grew up. Sometimes you may say little things or say little bad things that, you know, and somehow another mama gets wind of it. That's an issue. That's a problem. You know you got a problem when mama said, come here. Come to court. Come in here. Come now. And the Lord suddenly said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, come in the house. <laughs> Fourth person, come out. Come ye out unto the tabernacle of the, of the congregation, excuse me. And the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came This is what God said. He said, he said, hear now my words. Is there not a prophet among you? I'm the Lord and will make known myself unto him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. But he said unto Moses, not so. Who is faithful in all my house? With him I will speak. He said with Moses, I'm going to speak. When I get ready to talk to Moses, I'm going to speak to him mouth to mouth. So in other words, he's elevating Moses and telling him who he was. 
All of this because of jealousy and envy. And I say that I say again, as I said before, many of the racial issues that we have today is because there's 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 envy and jealousy. We're afraid. Our the, the, the cultures are afraid. You, they've taken something from me, or they're trying to get something from me. I have it. You're trying to take it, or then you're trying to replace me. It's because. We really don't know our purpose. We really don't know, and and, and we are not satisfied with who we are. So, in order, because I don't feel empowered, because I don't feel uh, uh, loved, then let me put somebody else down so I can feel better. What you read on down, it said in the ninth verse, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, against Miriam and Aaron, and he departed. God stepped back. And he said, a cloud departed from out of the temple. And behold, Miriam became leprous, leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Now, when you became a leper in the, in the, uh, in the, in the days under the law, you had to leave the camp because there was no cure. If you stayed in, not only would you, your leprosy was very contagious. You had to leave and get out. And the 10th verse says, and, and, uh, and the cloud departed from the temple, tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous white as snow. Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And if you read on the rest of this, you'll read how that uh, there, there was a pleading for Miriam, and God put her out for seven days. But all because of the envy and jealousy of the, not only of the statue of Moses, but they attacked him because of his wife. That was the entry. Say, so you know what? Now, he's not fit. And to show you he's not fit, he married someone who's not of our race. She's not like us. And that's what's so beautiful about God. That none of we, the whole, wouldn't it be, the earth would be boring if everybody was white, if everybody was black. If everybody was uh, uh, of the United States, we all lived in this, this country. But God gave us all this whole earth. We're all different uh, 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 hues. We got brown, uh, red people, yellow people, straight hair, curly hair, uh, long, short. You know, we're tall. We're, 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 we're just all different kinds and, and, and our features. You know, God, that's, that's the love and the beauty and the creativity of God. He gave and he loved us so that he gave his son that all of his children, his created children, could become his, his born-again children in Christ. And so many have shut their hearts. And the last person we're going to read today as we end this teaching is in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is going to start out in Romans, uh, in Romans 1 and round to verse number 18. And Paul began to talk to the Romans about how and what happens to a people when they don't recognize God. Let's start at 17. Romans 1, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from face to face, as is written, what? The just shall live by faith. 18. For the wrath of God, he says, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now here is the man who who, who, who is the, if, if, for lack of a better word, the father of grace, the writer of grace. 
Paul wrote the majority of the of the New Testament, and he is the one that introduced grace to the body of Christ. But he begins to talk about how that God will reveal his wrath when there is ungodliness and unrighteousness. When we when our hearts become hardened because we can't love our fellow man, not only can we we don't love God, but we don't love our fellow uh, 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 brethren. We don't love, we don't show the love to other races, to other people, to other colors, to even within our own families. Because our hearts become hardened. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in ungodliness. In other words, God has revealed to us what he feels about marriage. He's revealed to us what he feels about racism. He's revealed to us what he feels about, well, there's another way to uh, heaven. He's done these things. 19th verse says, because that which may be known of God is manifested in them. Why? Because God has showed it in them, showed it unto them. So in other words, God has showed us. He's written it. He revealed that I am the true God. But many times, for, for those who reject God, God says, okay. That's the way you want to go? Go ahead. 20th verse. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without an excuse. Why? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The scripture says they became fools because they became wiser than God. The Bible is outdated. It's no use. If it is, it's history. if anything, goes a history, history book. But we have better thoughts today. We're wiser. We're enlightened. That's the word. We're enlightened now. It says, twenty-second verse, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And the last verse, twenty-four. Wherefore God has given them up to uncleanness. Lest their own heart to discern their own body between themselves, who change the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul said they serve the creature. Who is the creature? We are the creature. We are the creature. We are the created beings of God. We are the, all of us are the created sons of God. But if you want to be sons and daughters of God, but only the believer in his son are the sons and daughters of God. I pray you receive something out of this word today. We have other teachings on this. But there is a cultural war. There is a war that has always been since the fall of man. Where, where, where there were teachings and feelings and thoughts about I will serve myself. It's all about pride. That's what pride is. In the middle of pride, P-R-I-D-E, is I. When we get ourselves, our thoughts and, and cares off of what I can do and what I want and get our focus on, Lord, I submit myself to you. Not my will, but thy will be done. We will see the mighty power of God in our lives. Father, I thank you for this word today. I pray it be a blessing to those who hear it. And that they will receive your word. They will study it. And let you speak to them. 
Jesus' name. Hello and thank you for joining us again for Journeys in Grace. Hello, my name is Pastor Eric Hubbard. And today we're going to continue on in studying the Word of God. And we're going to continue the series that we've been preaching on and talking about over the last few weeks about the Bible, Words to Live By. And today we're going to talk and, and take a step into the culture. I was listening to a couple of elders on the uh, television not too long ago. And they were speaking about how that the Bible speaks to every situation that we have in life. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't believe they were saying, that you'll find everything that you see in the culture today called out, spelled out by name, so that we would have that as an example. So in other words, you know, uh, uh, from racial issues that we have, from uh, issues in marriage, questions about marriage, questions about um, uh, 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 the economy and things of that nature, you may not find them specifically, but if we study the scripture, if we study the word, the Bible does comment on anything that, and, that we may face in life. And it gives us foundational answers that we can take these and say, okay, this is how I can apply the scripture to what I am facing in life today. And I think one of the things that really is uh, facing us here in 2020, and I think I've faced man throughout eternity since the fall of man, is the cultural wars that we uh, face within family, between brothers, between, um, uh, we call it races, race, races, but really there's only one race, which is the human race. Now, there are different cultures. We all have different skin tones. We all speak different languages. Um, they're all uh, different. We live in different countries and have uh, different traditions. But I believe if we take the scriptures and apply them to the things that we face in life, you will have the answer. And not only that do we have the scripture, we have the Holy Spirit that empowers us and will enlighten us uh, and give us the, that hidden wisdom that God has for us in any situation and allow us to be victorious and not just uh, so that we are fitting into the culture. We're fitting into uh, whatever, whatever um, uh, is going on, we assimilate to it. So in other words, we just sort of become, we become part of the blend. But we should stand out and be that beacon on the hill. This is what Jesus said. He said, no man lights a candle and hides it under a bushel. So what does that mean? It means that no one, we, when we light a candle, we want it to push back darkness. And that's the, that's the, uh, uh, that's the, the work of the ministry. That's the work of, uh, and the life of a believer and a disciple is that we take the light of the word of God. We take the very nature of God and we allow God to live through us. For Jesus is not coming back to earth again so that men could see his example. But we are the examples. We are, as Paul said, we have this treasure, which is the word of God, which is the Holy Spirit that's put into us because we are the earthen vessels that God uses. God uses us to show love. God uses us to uh, manifest his power. God uses us. Uh, to speak words of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. God uses us to provide for the poor, to provide for the fatherless and the widows. God uses us to, uh, to bind up and, and, and give words of encouragement to hearts that are broken. God uses us. He said that when uh, we see others that are mourning, he said mourn with those that are mourning. Rejoice with those that are rejoiced. So in other words, we must have empathy and we must have compassion for those. The issues that we see in life, 
The church cannot go in a corner and say, well, you know what, that doesn't concern me. But it does concern us because if we are going to occupy, as Jesus told us to do, we must occupy. We must occupy this word, this world in every tower, in every uh, 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 facet of life. Well, again, as I've uh, said before, we should be, and the church must be in the government. If we want our government to be representative of God, if we want our government to continue to have and to have Christian values, if we want this country to stand, because this country does not have to fall because we're living in a time 2,000 years from the, from, the, from the birth of Christ, 2,000 plus years. But it can stand and continue to grow. America continue, can continue to be blessed uh, financially and spiritually if the church world will stand up for true godly values. And those godly values are written in the word of God, which is unchangeable. The word of God does not change. Now, how we deliver the word, it's going to, it's, it, it does change and it has changed over the centuries. You say, how is that, preacher? Uh, back in the day, the preacher rode on a horseback or they walked. Paul, and they walked, and when they, when they wasn't walking, they were sailing in, in, in old wooden vessels driven by the wind. You know, nowadays, they rode camels and horses and donkeys and whatever the case may be, and their feet, patent leather, my, as I've heard others say, you know, it was, it was, it was, they were walked everywhere they went. But God has provided better things for us today. Today, we drive cars, we fly, we fly jets, we, you know, uh, wherever the, whatever things may, we need to do to get there, we have the internet. We can, my voice, this message that I'm talking about today can travel the whole world in a matter of seconds because God has provided better things. But, what, but nothing surpasses face-to-face, heart-to-heart talks well, the saints and the, and, the, and the children of God and those who desire to know more of God, when we can come together physically, when we can do that, because the scripture says that the, uh, our inheritance is among them that are sanctified. Not only does it mean that we should be together as a church, but, we, but also that we fellowship face-to-face, heart-to-heart, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a coffee meeting, you know, go out and have coffee or lunch, where we fellowship, when we come together, and share like minds, and share our ideas, and share wherever we, we may have differences, but we may be able to talk them out and say, "Okay, this is where I believe the Scripture stands." Not my my opinion doesn't matter. It's what the Word of God says. And if I can, we can come together on what God is saying and get the truth of the matter, and let the Bible be our source of truth, not the prevailing opinion. Not what as the wind goes. We sort of stick our hand up in the air and sort of see how the wind's blowing. But when the when the when the word of God is our pillar and ground of truth, this is what I'm going to build my life on. This is how I live my life. This is I base my decisions on what's written in the world and in the word rather, not what's in the world. But when I live my life according to scripture, then you will find you will be blessed more by own accident than you will be on purpose because you have a God-centered, Christ-centered life. Being in the, um, uh, being in the, in the, uh, being a believer is more than just receiving Christ. It's when Christ is your Lord. Being Lord means that we are God-led. That He is Lord. Being mean He is King of your life. That we don't operate independent of what 
we know it's in scripture. We know what's being written. And when we do that, we find out that, that, that many times we've taken the, uh, uh, the commandments of men and replaced the word of God. We've taken the traditions of men and replaced the word of God. And say, well, you know what? Uh, as one uh, leader said at one time, uh, not long ago, when the, when the uh, culture was saying, you know, we want our rights. And this was uh, the gay and the, and the lesbian came out and said, you know what? We, are, we feel like uh, that, 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 that we are bending out our rights of marriage. And one of our leaders, one of our leaders said that, you know, marry who you want to marry. Well, you know what? You have a right to say that. Because uh, our fathers, forefathers, they died, black and white. They died to defend this country so that we may have, we can express our own opinion. And there are many today who wants to push America into socialism, into Marxism, which said, which if you really dig down deep into it, self-expression and self-thought, is, is that's the one thing they cut off. And you are not given freedoms. But God moved upon men to establish this country. This is not the perfect country and never will be. But it's the best country on this planet, in my opinion. But going back to that comment that was made, marry whom you, whom you will marry, that goes against what Genesis said in, in the book of Genesis, second chapter, around the 24th verse, where God said that men should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. This is what is going to the greatest war that that's ever been has going to continue on until Christ comes again is, is good versus evil. You say, preacher, how could that be a, a, a war for somebody just getting married? Because it's going against the foundational teachings that God established when he started out in the beginning by saying, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Male, female. But even today, there is a, people now are telling uh, our doctors and are telling uh, uh, mothers and fathers when the child is born, do you, can you tell us what you want this child to be? Be marked as man, boy or girl? Just a few years ago, that would be considered insane. How are you going to tell the God of heaven and earth who who, who purposely sent that son or sent that daughter. Now, when the child gets to earth, you decide, you know what? I think although I see the, uh, uh, I see the, the, uh, the genitalia, I see the, uh, the plumbing, the, the be, I see what's, what the, the, the organ the child has, which says it's a boy, but I think we're just going to let them be a girl. My Lord. But again, somebody said, well, what does grace have to do with that? Grace is that I will, grace tells me, not only must I teach the love of God, but I must teach the truth of God. The scripture says, the truth will, will, will make you free. It's the truth you know will make you free. Not the truth you choose. Some people choose not to know the truth. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So let's go now, and we talk about We're going to start in the book of Genesis. I'm going to read about the first uh, uh, war among the cultures in Genesis 4, verse 1. We're talking about now about uh, Cain and Abel. And we see how that even jealousies, and this is the, where you, again, we will get to see, and this is, um, this is going to be more than just one teaching, but this can be, we see how that when Cain and Abel 
having known and seen God, and God had given them instructions about the offering that he expected. When Adam and Eve had, uh, give you a little history, when Adam and Eve had broken the commandments, the, the command of touch not the tree in the midst of the garden, not touch not, taste not of the fruit in the garden, Eve, Eve uh, uh, added to God and said, don't touch it, added to what God had said. But the father said, of all the trees in the garden, thou shalt freely eat. But the tree that's in the midst of the garden, do not eat of the free fruit. They were deceived. They fell. They were pushed out of the garden. And what did God do? One of the first things that a loving God did, they sowed fig leaves and tried to cover themselves. But what did God do? God gave them skin. And that skins mean something had to die. Go back and read it for yourself. Go back and read the first three chapters of, of the book of Genesis. God had to uh, uh, kill an animal so that they, blood had to be shed for them to be covered. That's the same way we have today. Blood had to be, be shed for us to be covered, for us to be saved, for us to have a connection with God. Blood had to be shed. The blood of our Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, had to be shed. So that we would have connection with God. The, the scripture said without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. There is no remission of sin. Unless we have the shedding of blood. So here in the. Uh, again in Genesis 4.1. We're going to read uh, Genesis 4.1. We're going to uh, and, and see what we have uncovered today. Adam knew his wife Eve. And she conceived and bare Cain. And said I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she bare again, bare his, she, she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller, tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came that, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was raw. He was angry, and his countenance fell. And what did God say? God said, why are you angry? Why is your countenance foul? Why is your, uh, why, what's the sad look on your face? That's what he was saying in the sixth verse. In the seventh verse, God said, if, thou, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do, don't do well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Now, if you go back to those previous two verses, it was all about the offering. Cain saw what Abel gave, and God was pleased. And then he saw what he did, and God was not pleased. That was something about that offering. And again, first Derek. I believe Cain should have made an ex exchange with Abel to get a, 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 a lamb and sacrifice it as an offering unto God. Abel gave of his, of, 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 of his flock. That was the offering. See, you have to give God what he's asking for. We can't offer to God what you think you, what you, what you, what you think God should have. You have to give him what he's asking of you. And I'm not just talking about monetary offerings. There are times when God will ask an offering of us. He asks the tenth, and we should give it. In the New Testament, 
Um, we don't have the curse of not paying tithe. I think you're stupid if you don't pay tithe. But you won't be cursed because Jesus is our curse. And again, I ask you to go and read it. He became a curse for us. But if you want to be blessed, you will pay your tithes out of your love. It's not that tithes are required. It's that we get to pay tithes. I love to give to God. There was a time I lived my, my, my life about, oh, if I don't pay my tithes, you know, God's going to curse me. He can't curse me. Because if he curses me, he curses Christ, who is my covering. But I get to give my offering. I get to give my tithe because it's an opportunity for me to show my, my appreciation for God allowing me to work or to uh, whatever I've received, and I'm able to give back to him. But here we see in the uh, fourth chapter of Genesis, we see where Cain saw and that jealousy. And I believe this is some of the things that are driving our culture today. Well, some races are looking at others and say, you know what? They're coming to take something from me. And I believe this is what happened to Cain. Cain believed, you know what? The, the, the favor, the, I want the favor that's on Abel's life. The only thing that God told him, see, if you do well, you will be blessed. He said, thou do as well. Let's go back to that. And he, said, he told Cain, he said, why are you wrong? He said, if thou will, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. So in other words, that seventh verse, God said, if you are obedient to me and give me what I ask for. He said, well, you'll be accepted. You'll be able to have the joy of the Lord will be upon you because you know what? There is a pleasure that comes to us. There's a pleasing, there's, a, there's, there's something about pleasing God. We please him now because we are the, we have accepted his son and we walk according to his word. Because we know we walk in Christ. It's not our work, that's not our works that please God. But it's the fact that we, but I believe God loves it when his sons and daughters obey his voice. The script, the, 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 the word of God said, uh, uh, the, the, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God called all of us to a place of love and of obedience. All of those things are required. Yes, grace, God loves us. When we fall, when we miss the mark, God loves us. But there's still a call to holiness. There's still a call to righteousness. But all of this is born out of grace. When we recognize that we have failings and, and we fail in God and we miss the mark and we error, sometimes because we, we, we don't know and we error, other times when we know and we still error, or sin, let's put it that way, we sin and we miss the mark, whether it's, by, whether, whether, whether it's, whether it's uh, uh, something we omitted to do or something that we committed, either way you missed the mark. But he loves us so much that he said, come on, come unto me. Come to me when you're when you when you're burdened down with, with, with missing the mark and when you're burdened down with addiction and all of those things. He said, "Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." He said, "My grace is sufficient. Everything I, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. I'll help you meet it. I can take you through racism. Here we can see uh, 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 this wasn't. I won't know if you could call this racism, but I can, can call it jealousy and envy." And this is what I think is happening in this country in particular, where we see other races come. People die to come to this country. They die to come to uh, America. They give their lives. They swim across. They, they swim, try to swim across the ocean from Cuba to uh, 
Uh, they take little boats, little dinghies as they call them. Anything they could get into. From Haiti, from, from, from Haiti to get into this country to get American citizenship. Because they recognize the blessing that's upon this country. Because this country first was established on godly values and godly truth. And now we have people in leadership and people throughout this country who, 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 whose hearts are, 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 are becoming hardened, if not hardened, because they now reject God and they reject the things that he said over us and has said over us. But here Cain re rejected what God told him to do as far as his offering. He found himself in jealousy and envy of what his brother had, and he killed him. And what did God say? We read on down in that, in that verse, in the ninth verse, it says, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is, where is Abel thy brother? And what did Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? What are you asking me for? But what did God say? What have you done? He said, The voice of thy blood cries unto me from the ground. You are your brother's keeper. Whether he's black, white, brown, red, whether he's Asian, African, Caucasian, African American, whatever the race may be, we are all our brother's keeper. We are. These are Old Testament, uh, 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 but the, these are Old Testament scriptures that I'm reading to you. But these all are before the law. And, and, and man, in me, in his innocency, he wasn't perfect, but he was innocent prior to the fall. This was the first murder recorded in all the scriptures. And even after you read about what God told Cain, the, 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 the grace of God, God put a mark on him and said, don't kill this man. He already had failed. He had murdered his brother. And God said, you know what, I'm going to put a mark on you. It didn't record whether uh, Cain's relationship was more with, 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 was ever connected again with God. But God spared him. He put a mark on him. And many of us now, today, you know, through all about your life, you lived a life unagreeable to God. You did anything, as my granny would say, anything that you were big and bad enough to do. You did it. We all did it. Because our hearts was not in agreement with Christ. We weren't, we weren't walking according to the word of God. But God still blessed us. He still made ways for us. There were times, many of us, who were out wilding out, doing anything and everything that we, could, we wanted to do. We enjoyed our life in sin. Although we were lost, although we didn't have the peace of God, we didn't have the love of God. But whenever you, God makes that, begins to tug on you, sin, the pleasure of sin leaves. Then we do like Cain. We start running. Now let's go on. Let's go and take one more, one more uh, verse uh, of scripture we're going to read today. Now, next we're going to talk about um, the, the differences or the, 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 we can see racism not only in uh uh, and, and, and cultural bias, you could call it that. Uh, racism, all of it is, is hatred. You can all put all kind of pretty words on it, but it's hatred. It's, it's, it's many times it's unfamiliarity, where we don't know the other person. We don't know the other culture. And so we call everything that we don't know, we're afraid of it. 
We're afraid to get to know that black man. We're afraid to get to know that that, that Caucasian man. We're afraid to get to know that Asian uh, man or woman on the job. We're afraid of all their food. I don't like their food. You haven't tasted all the Asian food there is. You haven't tasted all the African-American food. You haven't tasted all the, uh, the French or whatever the case may be. None of us have tasted all the foods. You have to allow yourself to taste, experience another person. And don't let one experience color your life so that you brand everybody that's black evil. All of them steal. Only thing they want is our women. Only thing they want is our men. Only thing they want is they're trying to, you know, all of them steal. They try to take from you. You got to watch them. You've only experienced one person and that one person has turned you against their entire culture because you judge them. You judge them. All because of one person. But let's go on now to Numbers, the 12th chapter. And we're going to read now about uh, Miriam and Aaron. Aaron. Now Moses, again, you got to read, do some reading on, on, on in this subject today. In uh, the book of Numbers, 12th, 12th chapter, Miriam had married Zipporah. Zipporah was an Ethiopian, Ethiopian woman. After Moses had, uh, he knew the call of God was on his life. Now I'll give you just a little backstory. He knew the call of God was on his life. You read that in the book of Genesis and early parts of, uh, no, I'm sorry, not Genesis, but Exodus. Uh, you read it how that uh, God had had separated him at birth. The, the children, uh, uh, all of uh, the children of Israel had moved because of the plague in, in Canaan. They had moved down to Egypt. And Joseph and uh, and and his father and all of his twelve and his other eleven brethren and the wives and children had moved and settled there in um, in in Egypt. God had prophesied. He told Egypt, He told uh, uh, Abraham that they would live there four hundred years. And after four hundred years, God said, "I'm going to bring you out." And so to fast forward that, after uh, God had used Joseph mightily to spare not only uh, Israel but all of Egypt and all surrounding countries. And had provided for them. Joseph had given a plan. And he was elevated to second in the kingdom. And he had lived many years. Blessed. And Egypt was blessed because of Joseph. And it's recorded. If you go. Uh, well, I'm told the history now. is, is They're recording that the Egyptians had made. Uh, they made writing. which are called hieroglyphics. And what they did. They, they, they made carvings. Their language was recorded in, in, uh, in pictures. And so they made carvings. And they said that there are places where you can have, there are mentioned, Joseph is mentioned in their carvings. That it actually was a Joseph. And the famine actually happened. The, Egypt, the uh, Israelites were in Egypt. But as we fast forward from that, there came a time when there were Pharaohs that didn't know about uh, Joseph. And they saw the blessing that, uh, uh, that God was putting on the children of Israel. And they multiplied. And they multiplied. And they multiplied. Because God had told Abraham, I'm going to make your seed as the sand by the seashore. I'm going to make your seed as the stars of the heavens. He said, if you could count the stars, if you could count the grains of sand, so shall you be able to, to count your seed. But there came a time when God was getting ready to call his people out. And whenever God gets ready, to, uh, Satan doesn't be able to, to uh, zero in on the day. But even he can, can figure out a season and he can see a change. And the change began to happen. He said, uh, he moved upon the heart of Pharaoh and he said, oh, look at all of these uh, uh, Israelites. After a while, there may come a time we're in a war. 
and they may join our enemies to help destroy us. So they begin to say, kill all the firstborn. Kill all the, if, if it's a male, kill him. If it's a female, let them live. Long story short, if you read the scripture, the Egyptian midwife, uh, midwife said, no, they, they, they saw, they knew they were in the houses of the uh, Israelites. They were in the houses of the Hebrews. And God moved on their hearts not to kill them. And because they didn't kill them, the, 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 young, the, the men, God blessed them. But let's go on to Moses. But there were kids, children that were killed. But Moses wasn't. He was set free. And you, again, you read the story about him. There came a time when Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Isn't that something, how God would, how God would do things? Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, just the king had said, the ruler said that uh, kill all the young, kill all the uh, uh, Israeli sons. And his own daughter took in a child from the, from, the, uh, from the Nile, raised him as her own, and he was raised up as a prince in the house of Pharaoh. God will make your enemies take care of you. In the very house of Pharaoh, Moses was raised, taught all the, 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 the things that an Egyptian prince would learn, he learned. Fast forward, but Moses knew. Although the the, uh, the movies may show you that, that Moses didn't know his mother and father was, but he didn't know. Because his mother raised him for the first few years of his life. She raised him. And she talked to him about who he was. And Moses knew that God had a, that was a call on his life. But he didn't know the time. Long story short, if we fast forward this, there came a time when Moses went amongst his people and he saw an Egyptian, an Israelite, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a physical argument. And Moses killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And you go on with that story. Moses left Egypt and, and fled away to Ethiopia where he met Zipporah. He met Moses' father. He met Zipporah, rather. And through Zipporah, he met his father, and uh, who was a priest of Midian. And he told Moses, stay with us. And over the course of time, Moses married Zipporah. But she was an Ethiopian, not an Israeli. And if you go to the 12th chapter of Numbers, where we're going to start, 12-1. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Now, this is after Moses had, had, had come back to Egypt, displayed the power and the move of God. God had spoken to him face to face. Moses had all the manners of miracles, signs, and wonders, which no other man has been called in history had did, did what Moses did. The mighty and great acts that he did. And here we are in the 12th chapter. They come out of uh, uh, Egypt. And what did Moses, he, he, what did his sister, Miriam is Moses' sister, and Aaron is Moses' brother. And Miriam and, a and uh, Aaron spoke against Moses. Why? Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And then the Bible says it again. For he had married an Ethiopian woman who was an African. Now, I can't say she was a dog at me, but I can say she was not an Israeli. She was of a different culture, and they didn't like it. And not only that, see, when you get into a covetousness and you can do a power grab, that's what I call it, a power grab, you're going to read, God begins, uh, the Lord said to, indeed to Moses, this is what they said. Second verse, hath the Lord indeed only spoken by Moses? Has he not spoken to us also? And guess what? The Lord heard it. 
Now, this is what uh, the Bible said had, had God had Moses to write. Now, the man Moses was very weak. And all men, as above all men upon the earth. In other words, he was the meekest man in the earth. And the Lord said, now, see, this is what happens when you, I don't know if some of y'all, like, like us, as I grew up, sometimes you may say little things or say little bad things that, you know, and somehow another mama gets wind of it. That's the issue. That's the problem. You know you got a problem when mama said, come here. Come to court. Come in here. Come now. And the Lord suddenly said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, come in the house. <laughs> Fourth person, come out. Come ye out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, excuse me. And the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forth. This is what God said. He said, he said, hear now my words. Is there not a prophet among you? I'm the Lord and will make known myself unto him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. But he said unto Moses, not so. Who is faithful in all my house? With him I will speak. He said, with Moses, I'm going to speak. When I get ready to talk to Moses, I'm going to speak to him mouth to mouth. So in other words, he's elevating Moses and telling him who he was. All of this because of jealousy and envy. And I say that, I'll say again, as I said before, many of the racial issues that we have today is because there's, there's, there's envy and jealousy we're afraid. Our, the, the, the cultures are afraid. You, they've taken something from me or they're trying to get something from me. I have it. You're trying to take it. Or then you're trying to replace me. It's because we really don't know our purpose. We really don't know and, and, and we are not satisfied with who we are. So in order, because I don't feel empowered, because I don't feel uh, uh, loved, then let me put somebody else down so I can feel better. But you read on down, it said in the ninth verse, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, against Miriam and Aaron. And he departed. God stepped back. And he said, a cloud departed from out of the temple. And behold, Miriam became leprous, leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Now, when you became a leper in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the days under the law, you had to leave the camp because there was no cure. If you stayed in, not only would you, your leprosy was very contagious. You had to leave and get out. And the 10th verse says, and, and, uh, and the cloud departed From the temple, tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous white as snow. Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And if you read on the rest of this, you'll read how that uh, there, there was a pleading for Miriam, and God put her out for seven days. But all because of the envy and jealousy of the, not only of the statue of Moses, but they attacked him because of his wife. That was the entry. Say, so you know what? Now, he's not fit. And to show you he's not fit, he married someone who's not of our race. She's not like us. And that's what's so beautiful about God. 
that none of women, the, uh, the whole, wouldn't it be, the earth would be boring if everybody was white, if everybody was black, if everybody was uh, uh, of the United States. We all lived in this, this country, but God gave us all this whole earth. We're all different uh, 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 hues. We got brown, uh, red people, yellow people, straight hair, curly hair, uh, long, short. You know, we're tall, we're just all different kinds and, and, and our features, you know. God, that's, that's the love and the beauty and the creativity of God. He gave and he loved us so that he gave his son that all of his children, his created children, could become his, his born-again children in Christ. And so many have shut their hearts. And the last person we're going to read today as we end this teaching, it's in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is going to start out in Romans uh, in Romans 1 and round to verse number 18. And Paul began to talk to the Romans about how and what happens to a people when they don't recognize God. Let's start at 17. Romans 1, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from face to face, as is written, what? The just shall live by faith. 18. For the wrath of God, he says, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now here is the man who 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 is the, for lack of a better word, the father of grace, the writer of grace. Paul wrote the majority of the of the New Testament, and he is the one that introduced grace to the body of Christ. But he begins to talk about how that God will reveal his wrath. When there is ungodliness and unrighteousness, when we, when our hearts become hardened because we can't love our fellow man, not only can we we don't love God, but we don't love our fellow uh, 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 brethren. We don't love. We don't show the love to other races, to other people, to other colors, to even within our own families, because our hearts become hardened. He says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men." who hold the truth in ungodliness. In other words, God has revealed to us what he feels about marriage. He's revealed to us what he feels about racism. He's revealed to us what he feels about whether there is another way to uh, heaven. He's done these things. 19th verse says, because that which may be known of God is manifested in them. Why? Because God has showed it, in them, showed it unto them. So in other words, God has showed us. He's written it. He revealed that I am the true God. But many times, for, for those who reject God, God said, okay, that's the way you want to go? Go ahead. 20th verse. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Why? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened were darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The scripture says they became fools because they became wiser than God. The Bible is outdated. It's no use. If it is, it's history. if anything, goes a history, history book. But we have better thoughts today. We're wiser. We're enlightened. That's the word. We're enlightened now. He said, 22nd verse, they professed themselves to be wise. They became fools. And the last verse, 24, 
Wherefore God has given them up to uncleanness, lest of their own heart, to the sound of their own body between themselves, who change the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul said they serve the creature. Who is the creature? We are the creature. We are the creature. We are the created beings of God. We are the, all of us are the created sons of God. But if you want to be sons and daughters of God, but only the believer in his son are the sons and daughters of God. I pray you receive something out of his word today. We have other teachings on this. But there is a cultural war. There is a war that has always been since the fall of man where, where, where there were teachings and feelings and thoughts about I will serve myself. It's all about pride. That's what pride is. In the middle of pride, P-R-I-D-E, is I. When we get ourselves, our thoughts and, and cares off of what I can do and what I want and get our focus on Lord, I submit myself to you. Not my will, but thy will be done. We will see the mighty power of God in our lives. Father, I thank you for this word today. I pray it be a blessing to those who hear it and that they will receive your word. They will study it and let you speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen.